Hey, welcome to the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating. From angels to energy healing, from mystical places to mystical teachings, this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul. I'm here today with a gifted and skilled healer whose divine work has positively impacted the fate of over 200,000 people in the last two decades. He's also been featured in the documentary Heal. Rob Worgen, thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's fun to be with you guys. Always. <laughs> you and your husband are like two of my faves. So, oh, seriously. You know. Especially yeah. John, since he cracked open. That's good. That's uh, good. And you did crack him open, I have okay. to say. No, he's fun now. Oh, my God. And that's just my husband. I can only imagine how many others you've cracked open. We'll go into that. Okay. Um, but, Rob, you are an incredible healer. Let's just start off by saying that. And I say that because I've had direct experience with you. And as someone who is doing healing work myself for over 20 years, uh, you could probably relate to this. There's a lot of people on the planet that say they're healers, that say they're enlightened, that say they're gifted. And direct experience tells you whether that's true or not. And so I have had the gift of the direct experience many times with you. And um, it is, uh, it's the real deal. So I just want to talk to you about your journey, about how you got to where you're at today, and um, what you do that is really powerful and special uh, to help people live a more joyous life, because a lot of people are suffering. And what you bring is an ability to be a conduit of divine love, and I might even say divine mercy, so that people can, as you say, crack themselves open and experience the overflow that is here for all of us. Right. How did you begin? <laughs> <laughs> you were born and- I was born, and I'm a Leo. I was born <laughs> in August, 1948, and it all started. Um, no, seriously, um, you know, my my- my life has been so fascinating because, you know, I look back at my life and go, wow, what a trip. And, and every experience I had in my life was preparing me to do this work. And, you know, so, so starting with me being a little boy, you know, I was, I was raised in Rapid City, South Dakota, which is heart of Lakotaville. And I always had this like strong urge to, to be with, the Native Americans, you know, I didn't like the white people. I liked the Native American people. And, and I always, you know, when I was a little kid, it was Daniel Boone and Davy Crockett and all those kind of things, Lone Ranger, and you know, Tonto and all that. <clears throat> and I always wanted to be Tonto. Or I always wanted to be the Native American when we'd play Cowboys and Indians. You know, I was the guy that was a homemade bow and arrow and, and I would crawl in my stomach uh, up towards a cow pretending it was a buffalo because I was hunting buffalo. I mean, you know, this is what I did. But 
So I, I got to be I got to be raised in rich Native American land, first of all. That was the good news. My parents were German Lutheran, Missouri Synod Lutherans, which was very strict religion. And, you know, from the moment I can remember anything, I remember them carrying Bibles around and praying all the time and strict, 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 strict Christians, which I'm not against. I'm just, you know, saying they were. And, you know, so my life as a little boy was taught about God and about Jesus and about praying and then a lot of other things. And so what I noticed probably when I was, I don't know, I can't remember, but four maybe, I started um, practicing what my parents taught me, which I would, I would I'd would, I'd love to be outside and I'd be outside and I'd come across a bird with a broken wing or a rabbit with a broken leg or a snake that was hurt or something that was hurt. It was like that almost every day there was something right in my path. And, you know, as a little boy who was taught to pray to God would do, I just would say, I'd look up to the sky and say, God, would you please help this rabbit? He looks like he hurts. And then I'd reach down and put my hand on the rabbit and I'd feel all this like crazy energy coming through me. I'd be like vibrating the rabbit would be like this. And then the rabbit was fine. Mm. And I'd say, thank you, God. And I just keep walking. Right. And so I just believed that uh, there wasn't anything different about me, except that I, I knew how to ask God to help. And God did. So I'm like, this is pretty cool, you know? Um, and so that went on for several years. And, you know, I have an older brother who, you know, lots of people have an older brother. My older brother loved to taunt me and get me in trouble all the time. And so I would be really excited about healing this rabbit. And I would run home and tell my mom and she'd get really mad at me. You know, why are you making, why are you lying to me? Why are you making things up? This isn't the truth, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I would get in trouble, but I kept doing it anyway. And my brother kept seeing me do it and would run home and tell mom that Rob's doing that thing again. And, you know, I'd get in trouble. And so long story short, when I was seven years old, they took me into the Lutheran church and did an exorcism on me because they thought I was possessed, which, you know, I can still remember it. I can bring up the image of that. But now when I bring it up, I realize what a huge gift it was for me <clears throat> because, you know, my parents could have encouraged me to be this boy wonder and I'm sure I wouldn't have lived to be 20. I probably would have been an alcoholic, drug addict, a kid superstar that went wrong. And and instead, they, they literally shut down all my gifts. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I was full, fully clairvoyant. Everything as a kid, I could hear, see, know. I mean, I was talking to my mom's grandmother and spirits. And, you know, I just thought that's what kids did. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so, but they when that happened, they shut everything down. So I literally, everything went away. And for a while, animals would still appear in my path. But a couple of times I would work with them and then my brother would tell my mom and then I'd, you know, get a beating or whatever. So I just shut down. And I I became what I'm grateful is, I became a, quote, normal human being. Yeah. Except that, you know, looking back, I realized that being normal was being I was going to be put to the test on every possible front, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually for the next 40 years. And, and, you know, so I spent my life in business. I I spent my life making lots of money, millions of dollars. I spent my life um, worried about the stock market, wondering 
worried about whether I whether I, I was going to be the right guy selected for the new Porsche. You know, I'm just like I was all about material goods, and and that's all I cared about: money and power. And and yet, my whole life, I had this amazing gift of being able to predict the future in companies. So I'd go into a company and turn it around and I could tell people exactly what was going to happen and what to do and what not to do. And, and they would do that and it would be just as I said. And they're like, how did you do that? I'm like, I don't know. I just heard it in my head. Hmm. Well, I realize now that it wasn't me, right? I was being gifted these in, this information, but I didn't realize it wasn't me. I just thought I was really smart. Hmm. <clears throat> you know, and so that... So between seven and 54, a good span of years, um, you know, I, I did, did and experienced everything to the excess. So, you know, I, I lived in the high, high pace of greed and excess because I always wanted more. I always wanted more. I always wanted more. I was always very materialistic. I would make it a point to show, make sure my wrist showed so you could see my $40,000 Breguet watch. And I would make sure that you'd see the lining in my coat to see that was a custom-made Italian suit or my car. I mean, that's just, you know, I was just a guy obsessed with success and obsessed with money and materialistic goods. And I never hurt anybody. I never did anything wrong with it, but I just, that's who I was, you know? And, but however, in, in, in the process, when I was in my early 30s, I tried to kill myself for the first time. I've tried suicide twice. That was the first time. And I, I suffered with enormous amount of emotional problems, depression, high anxiety. Um, I, had a, I had kind of an addictive behavior, so I loved pain pills even before everybody else knew what they were. I loved coffee. You know, I loved just the adrenaline rush that I could get. I was a workaholic, um, just crazy life. but. I was successful on the outside and, and tormented on the inside. Right. And I had, I got diagnosed with several like deadly diseases. Um, I mean, I've been through it and I'm not complaining, but I understand because I understand now that all of that was teaching me what that feels like to have that experience. So when somebody comes to me and says, I have this, or I have that, I can relate because I've had it. And so I spent my life learning compassion in those 47 years um, by the experiences I had in my life. Mm. So I'm, you know, pretty lucky. Um, you know, so, you know, fast forward, I and mean, all this time I had no, if people said, are you religious? I'd say, no, I'm an atheist. And if people said, are you spiritual? I'd say, no, that's a bunch of crap. You know, and um, I just thought it was all fake. You know, you had one life, that was it. That was it. You die, get buried, and you're done. And it was just fascinating because all the time I was in that space, I was collecting things like this, you know, a beautiful double terminated clear quartz crystal that I bought in Georgetown in Washington, D.C. when I was a CEO of a company. I didn't even, I was collecting crystals and feathers and books on spiritual healing and books on shamanism and books on spiritism and everything. I had a full bookcase full of those kind of books, which I never read. I just collected them. And I had all these beautiful feathers and crystals and things around me. You know, I'm a CEO and I've got this guy on my desk and all these other crystals on my desk. And people are like, that guy's weird. You know, and I'm like, I just like crystals. I, you know, so what? I didn't realize that 
you know, they were assisting me and there was a lot of things happening to me that I had no idea of. And, you know, so when I was 54, um, you know, um, I think I was 54, something like that, but it was in 2003 um, is when I attempted suicide the second time. And it, and it was because I had lost all my fortunes. I went from, you know, almost $20 million in the bank to about 20 cents in the bank in one day. And, and all kinds of things happened. And when, you know, when you're in your fifties and you're a guy and you think you've had it made and you're going to retire and, um, you know, Santa Barbara, have a house in Santa Barbara and a house in Aspen and, and as much money as you could ever spend. And all of a sudden all that's gone. It's a little traumatic for a guy, especially. Mm -hmm. And, so I spent from 1999 until late 1999 until February in 2003, spinning my way into drugs and alcohol. And not that I was an alcoholic or an addict, because I could always stop, but that was my crutch. I was always going to that stuff because I was so tormented inside. And um, on you know, in February 2003, I tried to kill myself in Seal. I was in Seal Beach, California, and God grabbed me by the back of, you know, like the scruff of my neck and said, what are you doing? Um, and I didn't think it was God. I thought it was my DTs or my imagination, you know, some crazy voice. And basically was told that I had a choice. I had several choices I could make, but I needed to make them now. And the first choice was, did I want to live or not? Mm. And the second choice was, if I said, yes, are you willing to do the work that you did as a child? Yes or no. And of course, I had no idea what that was at the moment. And they said, we want, we want you to live. We want you to do this work. And all you have to do is say yes. And, you know, when you're, when you're in a really desperate place, you know, because people have said to me, you're, you were really brave. And my answer is no, I was really scared. And so an option to not go down the rabbit hole didn't take any guts at all to say yes. It's like, right. yes, get yeah. me out of here. Yeah. So I said, yes. And this was on the beach in Seal Beach. And and in that moment, all of my gifts came rolling back in. I was clairvoyant. I could see everything. I could see all the beings on the beach. I could see everything that was happening. I could see the future. I could see everything. And it was like, a, you know, I stepped into this 3D video uh, room where everything was alive. And I was seeing everything, which was a little freaky. You know, because when you're in your 50s and you, you spent your whole life denying all that stuff, all of a sudden you can see Jesus and Mary and Zozer and all these people standing around. You're like, what the? <laughs> so that's when it started. And, and you know, I said, what do I have to do? Do I have to take a course? And, they, you know, they're laughing at me like, no, there is no course. <laughs> um, you, you just get out of the way. Mm. Surrender to the energy and get out of the way, which you know, sounds easy, but it's not. Mm -hmm. As a turnaround CEO is always trying to fix things <clears throat> and understand things to step aside and let energy come through me and watch people change in front of me without knowing why it was a little rough. So, you know, I kept getting myself in a way. I'd try to manage it. I'd try to plan it out. I'd try to, you know, put it on a spreadsheet so I could look at it. <laughs> and I couldn't, you know. Um, so that's kind of how, that's, that's a really quick story. Uh, but then I had about a month of um, every day some something happened that was so extraordinary and so miraculous that I knew they were showing me 
they were showing me what's out there. And so I would, I would understand, I would believe, I would trust, I would know that what I was being told about what I was supposed to do was real. And, and the beings that were helping me were real. And this wasn't witchcraft. It wasn't devil at work. It was pure work with God, you know, coming from a guy who said he was an atheist is pretty good, you know? So that, that's a short story. Can you talk about after that event on the beach, they told you to, if I have the story right, to go home, write on a card that you're a healer, and then to go to Sedona. You go to Sedona, you meet a woman in the checkout line, and she says she's been waiting for you. You think she's crazy. She takes you on a journey, and I'm kind of butchering the story here, but cutting that's, to the point of not, you crossing the river. You're not quite in the right order, but that's okay. There we go. So maybe you can put me in the right. Well, I went to Sedona first and met the woman almost immediately in Sedona who, you know, screamed when she looked at me, scared the crap out of me. I was in a grocery store. I was behind her in the checkout line and she got a glimpse of me over her shoulder and yelled, oh my God. You know, and I thought she was talking to somebody behind me. So I turned around <laughs> it's like, and I'm like, I'm in Sedona. These people are crazy, just like a herd, you know, and um, I ended up going to her house for tea. And she said, you know, you don't know who you are, but I'm going to help you find that out. And, and everything is up to you. Everything is your choice. And the first thing I'm going to ask you to choose, if you want to, is to take this journey, which was drive, you know, 30 miles through the desert and find this river and then walk through the river, which was like four feet deep and freezing cold and rushing. So that, that's, you know, that's how, that's how it began. That was like my first, second day in Sedona and completely in faith, you know, because one of the things I said on the beach that day was, God, if you have something to say to me, say it to me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, I'm hearing God. I think it's God speaking to me. So I'm going to trust that that's God and that it makes sense to do whatever I'm being told. <clears throat> so that was, you know, kind of what I did is I, I just followed whatever was happening because I said I would, mm-hmm. um, which was, you know, I mean, it was funny because I'm standing next to this river. It's, it's early spring. The water's freezing cold. It's rushing <clears throat> really fast. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. I'm afraid of drowning. I'm like, I could die in this river. And I'm like, that's stupid. I just tried to kill myself two days ago. I mean, it's like, just do it. Um, You know, so that's how it started. And I was in Sedona like three weeks and every day um, some miraculous, either some being came to me or, I mean, it just was unbelievable. I had enough money to stay there two days and somehow I was there three weeks. And then I came back to Seal Beach and then I went down to the beach to my little spot on the sand and said, okay, God, that was really interesting. What do you want me to do now? And that's when I said, print business cards. And they said, because you, you need to do that and you need to proclaim that you're a healer. You can't do it on your own. You got to put it out to the universe. So they said, print a card, get cards, print them and take them down to the local health food store and put them up, put them on the bulletin board. And when you do that, you are proclaiming to the universe that you are now a healer. And as soon as you do that, I will open everything up. <clears throat> and of course, I'm like, I don't know if I want to open everything up or not. It's like, what am I going to do if somebody calls, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and of course, 
the health food store was like three blocks from my house. And by the time I got back to my house, my phone was ringing and somebody wanted to make an appointment. And, and they'd never been to that health food store. They were 20, mi- 20 miles away. And your first healing, were you like, sure, I'll come over. I don't know what I'm doing. You don't tell them that. But did you just kind of let spirit drop in and, like you said, get out of the way and trust that it would just unfold the way it was meant to? Well, I mean, I didn't really have a choice because, sorry, I took some vitamins just before this call. There's one of them stuck in my throat, of course, (laughs) Um, just to prove that I'm human, right? Right. So what happened is I put those cards up and immediately this woman called who said that she had been given my number by my assistant. I had no assistant, <laughs> you know, and, and, and this was 25 miles away from the health food store and it was 10 minutes after I put the card up. So, you know, I, she, she called and she said, hi, may I speak to Rob please? And I'm said speaking. And she said, could I make an appointment? And I said, for what? Because, I mean, I didn't know. I really, I was like, he was trying to sell me aluminum siding or what are you calling for? And she said, I want to make an appointment for you to heal me. And I'm like, oh, you saw my card. And she goes, what? I saw your assistant. And I said, really, my assistant? She goes, yeah, that little old lady that works for you, that little old lady with white hair. I said, where did you see her? And she said, well, I was riding the bus and I'm disabled. So I was sitting in the front row in the disability seat and I was crying and this little old lady came up to me and she touched me and I felt so peaceful inside and put her hand on me and said, honey, this, you look troubled and, and in pain. This man will help you. Please call him. She handed him a piece, sent her a piece of paper with my phone number on it. Oh my gosh. And she also told her that I didn't get, I didn't, I wasn't expecting to get paid. <laughs> you know, I'm broke. I can't even buy food. And, you know, I got this, angel out there handing out my name to people telling him that just call him. Can you attribute that angel to anybody? Do you know who that was? Or? No, it was an angel because she showed up for the next three weeks all over Los Angeles to different people. Oh my gosh. And it was always the same, you know, sir, ma'am, whoever it was, touched them, they felt peace, peace within them. And and she would say, This man will help you call him now. And so I was getting calls from people that I mean, and I would run down to the market and none of my cards had been moved. None have been taken off. Wow. And I'm like, okay, this is like real. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't, I can't say this is coincidence. I can't say anything because it's real. And so the first lady and she, and the first lady wouldn't even tell me her name. She's like, I've worked with people like you before and they, they take down your name, address and Google you. And then they pretend like they know something about you, but I'm not even giving you my name. I'm like, boy, I'm being tested. I don't know her name. She's not going to pay me. And I have no idea what to do when she gets here because I've never done this before. So, of course, she comes to my house and she comes in and she won't tell me her name. And she goes, so how long have you been doing this work? And I started laughing and I said, you're the first person I've ever seen. (laughs) Seriously, I did. Because I'm like. You know, she's like, oh, that's so funny. Ha ha, you wouldn't have an assistant roaming around the world if you had, you know, I'm like, yeah, isn't that funny? But yeah, she's like, no, really. You like, are really, this sure. is my first time. She's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, okay, I told you. 
So I had no idea. I mean, I was, I had honestly taken Kleenex and folded them over and put them under my t-shirt, under my shirt, because I was sweating profusely. My hands were dripping wet. I was perspiring. I was scared to death because I had no idea. And, you know, I got her to lay, I bought this massage table at a garage sale and bought some Enya CDs and some candles and pretended like I had a little healing room. And I mean, honestly, I had no clue. And I asked her to lay down on the table and I looked, I said, close your eyes, take a deep breath, close your eyes. And I looked up and I'm like, Hey, <laughs> what do you want me to do? <laughs> and that's, that's how it started. And what did you do? Oh, well, the first thing that happened was her father came walking up the side of the table who had died like two weeks before. And he started talking to me. To, and so I thought I was a medium. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I get to see dead people and, and you know, put, give messages to the loved ones left behind. And then some um, young dude pushed him out of the way. And I mean, the whole story was this woman was disabled because she was with her boyfriend 10 years before. And when she came back home after being gone a few minutes, he was dead on the floor holding a pistol at his head. And no, no, she thought he killed himself because of something she'd done. Wow. And the guy actually showed up and told me about how he was robbed and murdered and gave me all these specifics. And that was my first one. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> no. Man. So the, the lady in Sedona gave me one good piece of advice was you're going to, you're going to, it, it, the words are going to form and start coming out of your mouth. And your job is to not filter, mm. just to let them come out. Sure. And so, you know, when I see some guy in a tuxedo and a rose in his thing, with slick back hair and all pasty white standing next to the table, I just said, in my mind, who are you? Mm -hmm. And he told me. And I, I said, do you want me to tell your daughter? He's like, yes. I'm like, okay. I mean, so I just, I learned by doing. I had no training at all. I had no freaking idea what I was doing. I didn't know where somebody's liver was. They'd say, put your hand on their liver. And I'm like, where's the liver? Mm -hmm. I mean, I honestly knew nothing. Or you put your hand on their power chakra. I'm like, what's that? I imagine the power chakra is your solar plexus. Yeah. 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 So now you work with, I don't know, 500 people at a time on zoom mm -hmm. or more. Yeah. Fun. Isn't it? What, yeah. What is that? I mean, how does that feel? What does that feel like in your body? What are you experiencing? And just, Tell me a little bit about it that. It feels like I wet my finger <laughs> and stuck it in the wall socket. God. And 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 that the wall socket is connected to the, you know, the biggest hydroelectric power plant in the world, and it's coming directly into me. That's what it feels like. That's all. Um, and you become know, acclimated to that. Would yeah, I mean, I've done it so many thousand times that honestly I don't even feel it anymore. I can feel it. I can feel it if it's not there, but I don't really feel it when it is there. Mm. You know, that, that's the thing that's being really interesting to me is I don't feel much. And I'm very sensitive, but I don't feel much. It takes a lot for me to feel because I'm so, I have such a high frequency in my body that it takes a super high frequency to get my attention, which is rare. It would take take something. And I'm 
that's just the way it is. I'm, and so, but you know, when I, when I download the, the work, it's like being an electrocution chair. I mean, it's intense and it, you know, it modifies itself within a few minutes, but um, you know, because I'm basically downloading um, a light beam for everybody on the call separately. Mm -hmm. So if there's 500 people on the zoom, I've got 500 streams of light coming into my body. And they're all specific and all exactly for that person. And then they get sorted and delivered to the person um, after I've, after it's processed through me. And the only reason they use me is that, is it translates their energy into human, um, human capable energy. So the human being can feel it, receive it in a way that's not star-like or, you know, spirit-like. So basically they're using me to take their energy and change it into human energy so it can affect the human body. Mm. And then the reverse is they use all of my senses, all my clairvoyance, everything I have to read and stay in touch with each body. And that transmits the other way. So I'm getting energy down and I'm transmitting back information, you know, and it's light speed. It's, I mean, they scan your body in a millisecond and I feel everything happen and just, just, so I can do, I can work with the 500 people in two or three minutes. Yeah. Cause I can see you, you go from person to person pretty quickly, but as the recipient, you can feel it when it hits you and it feels like you're only hitting that person for a beat, but yet they're having a whole hour of an experience from that one hit. Feels well, like. they're, they're getting hit many times. And yeah. what I know is that, you know, the energy that I'm working with is instantaneous. So it's not like, it has to work up to something or, you know, it's just like a lightning strike and everything changes in the body. And then, then you have a minute or two minutes or three minutes or five minutes to reset. And then I come back at you and scan you again and you get another lightning strike. Mm -hmm. You have a few minutes to reset and it just repeats itself over and over and over. And, you know, it's fascinating as hell to me. I mean, you know, can you imagine I'm, Yes. This little boy. I'm like this little boy watching magic unfold in front of his eyes, you know, because I'm not doing it, but I'm aware I can see what they're doing. And so when I, you know, and it's really cool because when I, when I stop on, there's 25 pictures per screen, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm going across looking at everybody like that fast. And when I almost always, when I look at somebody, they may be asleep, but they'll open their eyes and look at the camera. So they know that I'm looking at them in that half a second. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, but, but I can see everything that's changing in them and everything that's happening. And it's, it's, it's individualized. So it's one at a time, but it's so fast. It's like, and like back and forth. And I go to the next page and I back and forth and go to the next page. And it's miraculous. You know, it's really interesting. And, I, I told him in 2003, I said, I will do this work, but I want to understand what you're doing. I want to be aware of it. I want you to explain it to me. I don't, I want to be absolutely an observer and you got to keep me fascinated because I have ADD and all that stuff. And you, you don't want to lose me, you know, reading a magazine while you're doing a Zoom call. Um, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. When you say they, and recognizing that this is uh, sacred work, and so if you're not comfortable answering this, I, I um, respect that. But just out of curiosity, can you share with some of the um, some of the people or beings or energies 
that or collective that you're working with? Well, um, you know, it's interesting because there are so many different religions and so many different spiritual beliefs and so many, so much judgment and criticism about this one and that one and so much judgment and criticism. Like if, if I'm just talking, I'm not saying the truth, but let's say I'm working with you and you say, is Jesus here? And I say, no, you're going to feel like it's going to affect you. Right. Right. Um, Or if I say Jesus is here and you're Jewish, you're like, I don't want Jesus here. Right. You know, I mean, or it could be Sitting Bull or Black Elk or some Lakota medicine man or Master Zozer or somebody. And so it's tricky because, you know, they show up. Here's what I know. If this, see if this helps. What I know is they show up to me in a way that I absolutely know who they are and know why they're there. If, if some Islamic deity showed up, I wouldn't have any clue who they were. Mm-hmm. And it would mean nothing to me. Mm-hmm. So, but I also know that the beings that I'm seeing are also the same as Islamic beings. They're all the same. Mm-hmm. They just look different to me because I know I have a relationship and I know when Jesus and Mary and Zozer and Michael and all these, you know, Pleiades and all the Arcturians and all these beings that show up and work with me, I know who they are. And it, it's a relationship I have with them that shows me the work's being done. Mm-hmm. If I told you who was there, <clears throat> you may or may not be excited because maybe I forgot somebody or I didn't, I didn't say somebody you wanted to be there. <clears throat> and then you could possibly delete the effect of the healing because you were disappointed that Donald Duck didn't show up because yeah. a psychic told you one time your guardian angel was Donald Duck. And I didn't mention Donald Duck. And all of a sudden you're like, what happened? Like, either it's my fault or it's your fault. Right. So it's just easier to say that the, the primary energy I work with is God, the divine, the one, you know, whatever you want to term, the most supreme being there is. <clears throat> and then it comes down into me. And then the space around me is being held by the deities that you've seen, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that, that are familiar to me. <clears throat> so there's That's lots of, some of them are not familiar to me and they became familiar from working with you. And right. now I use them in my work all the time and I don't even fully understand who they are, but they're alive and well, <laughs> you know, but I had no idea who they were. So it's definitely expanded my horizon of who's working, uh, you know, in the higher, higher realms. Can you turn off and on? Like we're talking right now, we're on Zoom. People are going to be listening to this. They won't see us per se, but you're looking at me. I'm looking at you. Am I getting work done right now? What do you think? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's interesting. I start to tear when I do work with you. And it's usually, I, I, I want to say it's usually my right side, but I just start to tear and um, I'm not sad, but it, I don't know if I'm releasing some unexpressed sadness or if it's just supreme joy or if it's oh, just, just, just understand that tear doesn't mean sadness. Yeah. And I, I say this all the time. When your tears are coming out of the outside corner of your eye, yeah, that's your soul weeping because it's so joyful. It's so joyful that it's being liberated. Mm, that's what well, I, yeah. That's what this is, right? Yeah, right here. Straight down. Yeah, so that's your soul going, oh, my God, I'm finally being set free, mm. right? If it's coming straight down 
here, it's tears of joy. If it's coming down the nose corner, it's tears of sadness. So sadness, joy, soul liberation. Mm -hmm. So people always say, I cry a lot. And I'm like, where are the tears coming from? And they're like, huh? My eyes. I'm like, no, where in your eyes are they coming from? And, and it, you know, this is this, all of it's good, but this is your soul is like, you know. your eyes. <clears throat> I love it. Yeah. I, well, why do people, do you think, what are this, what does this divine energy tell you about why people get sick? Why do we get sick? I mean, um, there's, there's lots of reasons, but the, 99% of it is because we don't express our emotions. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. Yeah. And what happens is because, you know, my, my belief is that somewhere we were not created to be the way we've become, but because we have free will, we've been able to become who we've become because we have free will. Yeah. And so, so somewhere along the line, either organized religion or government or something or somebody took our power away from us. They said, you must pray to God and ask for forgiveness or whatever, or you'll go to hell. And, or, you know, you, you can't speak. You have to be, you have to give everything to the church. You have to, you have to be this, you have to be that, you have to be this and be that. And instead of being able to express ourselves by crying or telling the truth or any, all those kind of things, we began to stuff. Mm -hmm. We began to stuff for our own survival. And that stuffing gets passed out to the next generation. Then it gets passed out to the next generation. And it's like a snowball. I mean, every time it passes down, it gets bigger and stronger and heavier. And we keep passing it down. And so what your great, 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 great grandparents had is much less than what you have because in between all that stuff got collected and passed on to you. And the challenge is that, and I just, I like to make it easy for people to understand. So imagine that when you were born, part of your birth packet was one of those rollout cloths that you watered and flowers came up out of, a seed thing, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine that there's all these pre-planted seeds in your body and they're seeds of opportunity. Some of them are cancer, some of them are fibromyalgia, some of them are being rich, some of them are being whatever. And based on the, the predominant energy that's been rolled under that from your ancestors in your past lives, it activates certain seeds. And based, and a lot of it has to do with your diet and your experience as a younger person. So if your parents talked about getting an abortion when you're in utero, you're probably gonna be anorexic, suicidal, or bulimic. You're gonna be cutting because your base energy is, my parents don't even want me. You know, I'm not worth living because my parents don't even want me or, you know, or, or every man in your, in your family has a heart attack between 40 and 45. You've been pre-planted with that seed. And if you follow the path of your ancestors, follow the habits and patterns and thoughts of your father, you're probably going to have a heart attack. So, you know, it's just that we have all this stuff embedded in us. And if we don't change anything, it's going to occur. So I think that when you get a diagnosis, when you get a heart something, when you have a bad time, when you get a divorce, when you go bankrupt, when all that stuff, it's your soul saying, hey, 
do something. We've been tapping you on the shoulder for you know lifetimes and generations, and you haven't your family and you haven't done anything about it. So wake up. Mm-hmm. So to me, illness is actually the cure because the pop opportunity for the cure because it smacks you so hard that you that you have the opportunity to go, okay, why did this happen? Mm-hmm. Should I be looking at my thought process, my diet, my exercise, my relationship, where I live, all those kind of things. And so, you know, so many people that I know have had cancer and the people that get through the cancer all say the same thing. That was the best thing that ever happened to me, right? You've heard it. Um, or that divorce was the best thing that happened to me or losing my money was the best thing that happened to me. I mean, I could give you the list of all the things that happened to me that were the best things that ever happened to me mm-hmm. because they shook me to the core and, uh, and it was like pushing the restart button, you know, refresh. Do you want to keep going like you were or you want to change everything? If you go like you were, you're done. If you're going to willing to change, everything's going to change. So I don't know if that answered your question, but I, I, I believe that 99.9% of what's not working for us is emotionally based because we haven't, for whatever reason, expressed that emotion. Yeah. And we, we may not even need, know what that emotion is, right? Yeah. I mean, and so that's what I like about my work is that we don't need, we don't need a discussion about why, why are you here? What's wrong with you? Right. What do you want us to fix? Right. It's like, we go into the body and look at the most overriding condition that's causing the most discomfort, whatever in the body and pull it out. Yeah. So it's like weeding, you know, so in that, in that rollout seed pack is also mixed in some really nasty weeds mm-hmm. and they grow too. And so, you know, the weeds take over the plants and create all this stuff in the body my job and the beings I work with is to go into your body and get the biggest weed first and pull it out from the root tip, not from the top. Because if we don't go back to the original energetic event that created that, that seed to sprout, it'll always return, always return. So you can go get a massage. You can go, you know, have something done and you feel good for a few days or maybe a few weeks. And then it comes roaring back because you didn't get the, the tip. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, not fear in anyone that's listening to this, but to your point, it's like we could also go and get something physically done to us like a surgery. And it doesn't necessarily mean that that thing that was a disease isn't going to come back because it starts, it started, the source of it started on a much deeper level that it shows up. The last place for it to show up is on the physical level. It shows up way before that on an energetic in all that unexpressed stuff that becomes a thing. Mm-hmm. So. so the unexpressed stuff starts building up, you know, creates density, whatever, you know, it creates all that density in the body. Yeah. Which creates a blockage, which creates stagnation of the divine energy. And so your body, instead of having a free flow of all this beautiful energy for your body starts to become like a dam in a river. So the energy starts finding different ways out and avoiding other areas. And pretty soon the area that it was avoided has become a, you know, a rattlesnake and alligator infested swamp. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like, ah, you know, and I, you just got to rearrange, you got to open things up. So the, the septic 
energy, the toxic energy of your emotions gets drained out of the body and then the body can breathe and heal. Mm-hmm. I mean, my work is basically plumbing. We're, we're pulling out the nasty weeds and allowing that space to be filled with divine light. And then that starts to spread. And then we go get the next weed and then we go get the next weed and then we go get the next weed. Can you talk about one of your most awesome experiences is as far as miracles go, just as a testimonial, I just think you have some great stories of miracles that I think would be great. You know, there's, there's so many, but a couple of just came to mind. One of them is, um, and you can actually see the film of this lady on my website because I had her filmed for the movie Heal and then they cut it out because they thought people would think it was fake. Mm. Too hard to believe. This is a woman who in her 50s got diagnosed with PLS, which is aggressive ALS, as if ALS needs to be any more aggressive, right? I mean, what? And so, you know, her doctor said, you don't have ALS, you don't have MS, you have PLS, which is like accelerated ALS MS. And she said, I do not accept your diagnosis. And if anything they should have left in the film, it should have been that. I do not accept your diagnosis. And so she she came to see me. Now she came to see me in a wheelchair, couldn't walk, couldn't talk, um, just you know, she was down the rabbit hole and, and she told me that she did not accept the diagnosis and she just was claiming her life back. And within three weeks, maybe four weeks, she stood up and got out of the wheelchair and walked. Wow. And, and, and then on the, and the piece that you can see on my website that is absolutely taken from the cutting room floor of the movie is her laying on a massage table, pulling her legs all the way back by herself and getting off the massage table, walking and talking. And, you know, a little bit of voice stuff, but that whole thing reversed in less than a month. So that's that's pretty cool. I had a, I had a guy in New York that I didn't know at the time, but he was a, a, a personal injury lawyer. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have let him in my room, right? Um, but his his wife brought him in because I saw him on a Saturday and he was scheduled to go into hospice on Monday. Yeah. Stage 27 melanoma, tumors in his brain, tumors everywhere, could barely move. They had to carry him in. This was in New York City. They had to carry him in to the place I was working and put him up on the table. He couldn't get off the table on his own. A guy, you know, his big guy, but just wasted down to nothing and had days to live. It was just before Christmas, like four or five years ago. And, um, and you know, his wife left and was all teary. And he said, it's okay. And he was a skeptic, which is always fascinating. So he had no expectation. He just like, okay, whatever. And about a half hour into the session, he sat up and got, got off the table and walked into the bathroom. And then he was like, halfway to the bathroom and realized that he'd gotten off the table by himself and walked into the bathroom by himself when he couldn't even walk into the room. Mm. And so he's like a little startled, you know? Um, But then he, you know, it was like a 90 minute session at the end, his wife picked him up and he was sitting on the edge of the massage table, like, wow, I feel really good. 
And I said, I want you to go home and rest. Don't do anything. You know, you've heard my spiel. So it's like a couple of days before Christmas. He goes home and not only does he not rest, he goes up into the attic of his house to get the Christmas decorations down so they can decorate the tree. And on the way back out of the attic, he falls and rolls down the stairs. And, oh, this is good. You'll like this. (laughs) And in a minute, you'll know why. So wife calls 911 and goes, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Put him in an ambulance. They take him to the hospital. They do a full body MRI, and there's not one stench of cancer in his body. knew you were going to say that. That is awesome. Nothing. You know, so those are two of my favorites. I mean, I had a guy in Mile High Church in Denver one time. I was in the audience. He wasn't even up on the stage. And in halfway through my presentation, he got up and ran and came back. And one of my assistants, I said, just check on him, would you? And he said, he told her, he said, I just pooped my cancer. I had rectal cancer and I know I just pooped it out. And he did. It was gone. So, I mean, so I could go on for hours. Yeah. Um, but the point is, it's out there. It's available. It's it's not random. It's if if you claim your miracle, if you claim your health, you get it. Mm-hmm. If you talk about how sick you are, you get it. You know, it's just make the decision what you want and believe it, and it's yours. And I mean, two hundred and some thousand people. I mean, I kind of have an idea of what people, why people survive and why people don't, why people get better and why people don't. It's all about choice and believing it. And just, you know, I like to say to people, how many of you, how many of you people in the audience believe in the parking angel? You know, and 75% of the people in the audience will raise their hand. I'm like, why do you think it works? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, because you believe it works. That's why it works. So there's no difference in the parking angel in, as there is in a radical remission of your uh, diagnosis. If you believe in the parking angel, then you can cure yourself by believing that you're healthy. Same thing. Yeah. Just believe it. And people are like, but it's not the same. And I'm like, it is. It's the same thing. What you believe, you see, you have evidence that it works. Your first two examples I thought were really interesting for that one woman was like, I am declaring that I am well and I will not accept this diagnosis. The second guy was a skeptic. Do you need to believe in this for it to work? And well, you know it doesn't in the second guy. Well, that's a good question. I used him because I figured you'd ask me that question. Um, you know, because I work with a lot of people who are skeptics that have these miraculous divine interventions, you know? Yeah. And and I've talked to them in depth afterwards because I wanted to understand, you know, were they a skeptic, were they just a skeptic or were they a non-believer? And where it came in was they were skeptical that that some guy in some church auditorium was going to change their life. But they were also in the point where they, they, they had such a strong desire to not be sick anymore that that overrode the skeptic thing. So that's the drive. It's that you have such a strong desire to get well, that that's more important than I'm, you. I'm done. You know, when people come to me and say, you know what, I'm done. Yeah. That's why I see so many people at, at the end of their life or they've been given a death sentence 
And all of a sudden they're like, you know, I've tried everything else. I'm done. Let's do this. Right. And those are the people that primarily do it. You know, the guy in the guy in New York didn't want to die before Christmas and leave that with his family. So he was all in for any possibility. He just didn't know anything about, he just thought this was weird that he was going to go lay on a massage table. I was going to touch him and he was going to get better. You know, I was like, huh? Mm -hmm. But some of that, sometimes that's good because there are people that have tried everything and, you know, have these expectations or have all these like doubts because I've tried everything, nothing worked with a healer or, you know, that can get in the way too. So sometimes people show up that I've never seen before because their wife or husband drug them in there and they have these amazing healings because they're just, they're ready to let it go and they don't care how it gets gone. They just want it gone, right? Mm -hmm. so. I can attest for uh, my husband just jumping on board and watching well, yeah. him. Blew him yeah. apart. And Different person. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Just, um, I'd love to just end on this subject of opportunity because you talk about it a lot and you mentioned it earlier, and I really see your work as an opportunity, and uh, not just for healing, but like the broader spectrum of all that that encompasses. Like life is an opportunity for reals, <laughs> you know. And what's the opportunity that spirit, that the divine, that this presence, that this energy is? downloading into you right now what's the message what's the opportunity for people right now do you think do you feel you know it's what we've been talking about a lot on my on my wednesday night calls is that the energy that's being given to us now that we're all capable of receiving and are receiving is the opportunity of change and you know we've gotten ourselves into a fix with all the stuff that's going on on the planet and God or whoever that is up there is like, okay, I've had enough of this. <laughs> it's like, come on, you people. You know, he's like up there turning the crank to squeeze us. And, and you know, people are complaining about it. they don't feel well and this and that and this and that. And my thing since I started doing this work is every experience is a gift. Yeah. Every experience is an opportunity. And it doesn't matter how horrible it seems at the moment. It's always a gift. And so the the death and the economy and all the stuff that's going on is pushing us into places that we never wanted to go emotionally. We've been protecting emotionally and the opportunity is to let that go. I mean, you've heard me say, you know, people want to get back to the normal. And I'm like, why? It, it was horrible. You thought it was good. It was horrible. Yeah. I don't like lies and deceit and corruption everywhere. I want a new fresh start. So to me, everything that happens these days is opportunity because it's the energetics is giving us the opportunity to change mm -hmm. or it's giving us the opportunity to leave the planet. A lot of people are doing that just because they don't want to do it. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. But this is really such a beautiful time to redecorate your house, re re remodel your life, you know, just do it, pick out what you want and claim it. And Start a podcast. Start a podcast. Change your husband. You know, all that stuff. Your husband. Change your life. Amen. Rob Worgen, you've said it all. I doubt it. You have not said it all. You have a lot more to say, but I won't exhaust it. Hey, well, let's do this again if you want. Questions. Thank I'm you. Your, I'm yours anytime you want. Thank you so much.
Well, I love you guys. So thank you. I love you. you. You're, you're our angel and um, I'm going to bother you again. And I'm wearing gym shorts and an old ratty t-shirt under the shirt. You know, I got all dressed up for you. So. And I'm wearing a poncho and a t-shirt just for you to represent all your childhood <laughs> memories. <laughs> hey guys, thanks for checking out the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform or go to spiritualgeekout.com.